We're going back to the Shaykhtim. Holding by Perak Aleph, Pasuk Tezayin. And it tells us that B'nai Kaini, the children of Kaini, Chais and Moshe, we know that Kaini was another name for Yisrael. Right? So the children of Yisrael, who was Moshe's father-in-law, Olu Meir Atzmarim, They went from the Atzmarim, which is a, the title given to Yerichoi, to B'nai Yehuda, Midbar Yehuda, to the desert of Yehuda, Asher B'negev Arad, which is in the Negev by Arad. Now what does that mean? Who are the B'nai Kaini? What are they doing in Yerichoi? And why do they go to the Negev? What's the possible ground to tell us? So we know the story of Yisrael. We know that Yisrael wasn't part of Klai Yisrael, and therefore he wasn't entitled to an Achlan Eretz Yisrael. But we know the Gemara tells us that when Moshe was trying to convince Yisrael, or at least his family, to remain with the Jewish people, so what could Moshe offer him? So the Gemara tells us he offered him Dushnushal Yerichoi, the environs of Yerichoi. Why? The environs, the area around Yerichoi. Yerichoi itself had been destroyed, Yerichoi himself had been, had been left as a permanent. Kharva uh, as a permanent place which was forbidden. But the area around Yerichoi was available. Why was it available? So the, uh, the Gemara tells us that the Shvatim made an agreement between themselves. And that is that they wanted the place where the Beis Amikdash was eventually going to be built to be in communal property, which would be belonging to the whole of Israel. But the whole area of Israel had been divided into different Chalakim, uh, into different portions of each of it. So therefore they made an agreement that whoever would get uh, the area of the base of Mikdash, so to speak, would be given the first place the Kalashal conquered and belonged to everybody as, as, so to speak, as theirs in exchange for the fact that the base of Mikdash would be the property of all Klai Israel. Now, it actually worked out very well because Yerichai is on the border of Yehudah and Binyamin, like we saw before. And the Beis Amikdash was built between the borders of Yerem Binyamin. And therefore, when the Beis Amikdash was eventually built, then those two Shvatim took the area around Yerichai as a trade, so to speak, for the area of the Beis Amikdash, which was the whole of Klai Israel. What Moshe had promised Yisrael is that the place, which wasn't yet apportioned to anyone, because the Beis Amikdash hadn't yet been built, and therefore right now it was... The Beis Amikdash had not yet been built. That area hadn't yet been given to any specific Shevet. Yerichai. Right, it was being it was being held for whoever would be given whoever the wherever the basement would be built, which hadn't yet happened. And if that's the case, it was so to speak, no Shavit had taken the possession over it. And therefore Moshe said he would give Yisro's family the rights to live in the area of Yerichoi until the until the Basimish was built, which was some four hundred and eighty years after Klaishla came to Israel. And therefore Bhakani, the family of Yisrael, had been given Yericho temporarily, but they had they were given that place to live in. And uh, during the lifetime of Yosha, that's where they lived. Now what's happening in the Pasuk, we saw in the previous Pasuk that Osniel had been given land in the Negev. And that's where he had gone to live. So the Bnei Kaini, the children of Yisrael, went from Yericho to the Midbar Yehuda, to the desert of Yehuda, which is where the Gemara tells us where Zinil ben Knaz was. They wanted to go and learn from him. And therefore, since he, he was in the Midbar, they went to join him in the Midbar. 
Asnil, we saw previously, was was given land Eretz Negev in the desert. That now Asnil was also the Torah leader at the time, as we saw yesterday. He was the one who was able to restore the halachas which were forgotten. But the children of Yisrael had wanted to learn Torah, and therefore they joined him <coughs> in the midbar. And why this is why the pasuk is making mention of this is because it's showing us their sacrifice for Torah. The the words of the of Gemara is that they moved from Doshna Fashion is like the fat of the land. It's like the Yericho was a very fertile place, even today. It's like an oasis in the desert. It's a very fertile place. That had been given to the children of Yisrael, and they willingly gave it up to travel to the Midbar, to the desert, in order to learn Torah from the Snail of the Midbar. It's like time. Yisrael also did that. So, exactly. I was going to say that. With the Snail. Right. The interesting thing is that, like most times uh, in Tanakh, we see that a certain midah which a person has is inherited by his descendants. And therefore the B'nai Yisrael really followed exactly what their ancestor, or their grandfather, whoever it was Yisrael did. He also did that. He was in a fertile, inhabited place called Midian, and he <coughs> gave it up to join Moshe Rabbeinu in the desert. And we see here his children or his grandchildren, whoever these people are, who had also been given a fertile <coughs> area as, so to speak, as a place to live indefinitely, willingly gave it up in order to travel to the desert for the opportunity to learn Torah. Were they Jewish yet? Yeah, they were the children of Yisrael, again. The last year, but Yisrael has been back. The different Chazals. The those who say he left his sons with Moshe, and the those who say he went back to bring his family back with him. Whichever one is going to be, we find that the descendants of Yisrael lived with the Jewish people in Eretz Yisrael. We find this a number of times. We find it here. We find it by Yoel, Aishas Chavar Akeni. In the story of later in Shaftim, we find in the time of, of Shaul, the king as well, that uh, he speaks to the Bnei Kani, the throne of Yisrael. So therefore, throughout the generations, we find them as living amongst Israel. Wasn't supposed to be slashed down? Well, they're always a separate entity. It's because the same reason why they originally got Yericho. They weren't Klai Israel, so they didn't get a Nachna anywhere. So they had to be given, either they had to live, so to speak, as uh, in, in, in borrowed time in Yericho, or as Talmudim around in the desert by Asnil because they couldn't integrate into a Klai Yisrael in the sense that they would own property with everyone else because they didn't have a Nachman in Yisrael. This was, Rashi points out to us, this was Hashem's fulfillment of Yavitz's Asnil's Rakasha. He asked, for your basis, Talmudim, you should send me good Talmudim. So HaKadosh Baruch listened to him, like we said, and the Talmudim he sent him with the sons of Yisrael. They came specially to join him in the desert in order to learn. Which, right, which is interesting. In other words, even though it seems to be, have been an unpopular location for yeshiva, mm-hmm. right? nevertheless, Rakhadosh Baruch was Makayim, his tefillah, he gave everything he asked for, so he sent the Bnei Yisrael to him in order to learn from him. In the Navi, we find, must be some 200 years later, they were still in the Midbar. When Shaul wants to attack Amalek, so he tells, the, and the Amalek were in the south, as we're going to see in, in, in Navi Shmuel. So he tells the Kaini to separate, move far away from Amalek so they don't get caught in the crossfire. So we see that they were still there. Okay, so that, that was the story of, it's a continuation of the story of Asnil, that his children, I mean his Talmudim, came to him uh, like HaKadosh Baruch Hu had promised. Right. Now, going back to, this was a break in, this, in the narrative of Yehuda. The Shevet Yehuda's conquest, 
So the Apostle is coming back to tell us the rest of the places where you would have fought against the Knani Miranda. The Yerich Yud Hashim and Achiv Yud and Shimon together. They went by Yaakov and Saknani Yerushal Tzvas. This isn't the Tzvas we know about, which is in the north of Eretz Yisrael. This is the place of Tzvas, which was in there in Achila. The Yachrimo Yisrael they destroyed it. The Yikar Shem Ayir Charma. Charma just basically means something which is a Cherem, like Yerichu was something which has been dedicated not to be rebuilt. By Yelkut Yehuda is Azav is Kavura, is Ashlan is Kavura, is Ekron is Kavura. These were the cities of the Plishtim. And we're going to see that uh, later on, the Plishtim in these cities posed endless uh, problems to the Jewish people. But at this stage, as we saw at the beginning, Hashem had promised Yehuda that he'd be successful, and therefore he was even able to conquer the cities of the Plishtim. By here Hashem is Yehuda, HaKadosh Baruch was with him, by Yerush Sahar. He drove all the Knanim out of the mountain, now. The problem was, and here's, here was the first mistake that the Shvati made. And that is the, the fact that Yehuda stopped in the middle of the battle. He, he attacked the Knanim. It doesn't say exactly where the location was, but it says he attacked the Knanim who were on the mountain and he drove them out. And what he should have done is then continue the conquest down in the valley. And so he didn't do that because the Knanim in the valley had chariots of metal, which were the tanks of the day, and therefore Shavu Yudu, who didn't have these chariots, was afraid to attack them. And this was their first mistake. Hashem had promised him he'd be successful, and until now he was successful. So he shouldn't have stopped then, he should have kept going and fought uh, the Knanim in the valley as well, even if they were better armed. Nevertheless, Hashem had promised to help him. But the problem is Yehuda didn't do that. He stopped. And he made it. Uh, being as he never attacked the Knanim in the valley, the Knanim in the valley remained there, and like we saw, this is going to later on become uh, a point against Klai Yisrael that they didn't trust Hakadosh Baruch Hu Saftachal that he'd help them, and if they didn't, they didn't finish the campaign. Now, Vayitnu Lekarev Eschevron Kashadiva Moshe. We're going back to the part we saw before. Vayerish Misham Mishlesha Bnei Anak. We already spoke about this in the first year that sometimes says that Karev drove them out. The other says that Nehuda killed them. We explained there why it's not a contradiction. And again, what we saw before, because this was the, the Yavusi were the descendants of Avimelech, and therefore they weren't able to kill them yet. They still had the promise between Avram and Avimelech, or Yitzhak and Avimelech, and therefore they had to remain there. Which means the time of the writing of Sefer Shoftim, they were still there. Until later on, the time of Dover Amelech, Dover Amelech conquered Yavus. He conquered the Yavus then. And here we don't find that this was something, so to speak, which was a, a source of a demerit, so to speak, or an avera of Klai Yisrael, because here they were banned by the Shvav of Ramavina and they weren't allowed to attack them. First Shevet to fight. And now we see after that, other Shvatim also uh, joined the campaign, each one in their own Nachada, to drive out the remaining Kananim. There too, Hashem was with them. And we're going to see the story of Luz. Luz was a walled city, and they didn't know where the entrance was to the city. So they didn't know how to attack the city. And the Apostle says, They left. Um, that Russian, the Miragdim, according to some unfortunate Spanish Russian to 
like it says, by Yisurah Sa'aretz, by the Meragli, but they went to spy out the land, Yisurah Sa'aretz. That's the one Pshat and Farshim here. By Yisurah, that they left, uh, either that means they made spies, or they left some of their people as spies to check out the city of Luz, because they didn't know how to attack it, they didn't know where the entrance to the city was. So the Pasuk says, Vayiru Hashemrim, Ish Yetz Minayir. The gods, or these people who are watching it, saw someone going out of the city. And they said to him, Show us the way into the city. We will repay you by showing us the way into the city by saving you. you know, that's the chesed we'll do for you. Similarly to what we saw by the, the Miraglim originally told Racha Vazayna. We'll do a chesed with you, that is, we'll keep you alive when we take over the city. Okay, so it says, Here they need it. Right. And so what happened? He showed them the way into the city. How did he show them? So Rashi points out to some from Chazal that he was too scared to go and show them where it was because he didn't want the people in the city to uh, to kill him or his family or whoever was left behind. But and therefore the way he showed them was from a distance he pointed it to them, out to them where, the, where the end of the city was. What was it? It's interesting, the Pasuk doesn't say, but the Midrash tells us the end of the city was through a hollow tree. And therefore there was no gate to the city. Wherever you want to get out of the city, you have to like, come through the hollow tree and climb out the tree, basically. Which Gaishal didn't know about that until they were shown it. Anyway, so once he showed them the way into the city. Why do they bring in merchandise and, and wagons? Must have some gate somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Unless they brought them in before they built the wall. I thought the gate was locked. And he just, uh, just, just out the secret. No, they didn't know where it was. And if I showed them the way into the city, by Yaakov Sayyid, if he hurried, then the Gaishal destroyed the city by sword. But they let that man go free. He was uh, that was the deal they made with him. That man then went to the land of the Chitim, and he called he built himself a new city. He called the new city Luz, uh, the city that he came from, which was called Luz. And who Shmari Yamaze? He did uh, whatever he called it, whatever this new city of Luz was. It was named after the old one. Now, it's an interesting thing. Why didn't Chazal chase him there and fight with him there also? So the answer is that, and this the Radak points out, I don't know where you got it from, it says Chiddush, that the Eretz HaChitim we're talking about here is not the Chitim in Eretz Yisrael. It was somewhere at the borders of Eretz Yisrael, which was therefore, there there was no reason for the Klai Yisrael to go and uh, attack him where he was. That's why he built this new city there. Now, um, the Gemara says about this new Luz, the second city called Luz, that it's a place which Ali Yamazir, even though normally means uh, until the time the Navi was written, but uh, it says that Lemaisa, the city of Luz, withstood all future enemies. When Sancherib went on his world con- conquest campaign and overturned everything, he, he left Luz alone. When that time came and annexed uh, everything to the Babylonian Empire, he left Luz alone. Right? And not only that, the Gemara goes a step further. And it says the Malach Amavis wasn't allowed him to lose either. This is the new laws. The laws which was now built by this person had, had this tremendous property, that uh, ability that people wouldn't die in lust. And uh, the Gemara says, and people decided they had lived long enough, they left the city and died outside. But inside the Malach Amavis wasn't allowed to come. And the Shaila is, what tremendous chus did this place have that uh, was given like a, so to speak, centuries long protection. From the time of Yeshua until the time of Sancherev, until the time of Nebuchadnezzar, we're talking nearly a thousand years, right? And nevertheless, uh, this Luz remains independent, it remains free from 
any kind of uh, hostile enemies, and even the Malachim Mavis wasn't allowed in. What was the mail of the place of Luz? So, to answer this, to answer this, uh, we have to go back and ask the question. When they asked the man, where's the entrance to the city? Right? So he was too scared to take them there, understandably. Obviously, the sentries in the city would see what he was doing. But why didn't you just tell them? Why didn't you just tell them? Why did they have to show it to them? You should have said, you know, this is where it is, and explain it to them. And then, if you give good enough directions, then they'll find it on their own. Right? It says, no, he showed them by his phone. He showed them with his finger, he wouldn't do more than that. So, on this, the Mephoshim will explain that the matter of this person is that he wouldn't say anything unnecessary. He wouldn't say anything unnecessary. And if that's the case, like the says, he wasn't prepared to talk to them and show them where the entrance of the city was. He just showed them. Right. In the city he built, called Luz, there was a rule. That any resident of Luz had to never tell a lie, never say anything about the truth, never do anything else which was a sin through speech. And that was the schools that Luz had. That it was, it was uh, free from the Malach Amavis, was free from any, any other domination because of that koyach that they had to be shown with their people. The Midrash tells the story of a certain Tana, I think it was, who went to Luz. And when he was there, um, one of his children died. And the, one of his Tana, he married a lady from Luz and one of his children died. And it was a people, no one had ever heard of such a thing before. No one dies in Luz. What happened? So they all came to him like, what did you do? Well, what, had, what happened? And what was Miss Barrier was what happened the day before is a neighbor had come to ask to speak to his wife while she was busy washing her hair, the leader says, and he didn't feel it was sneer sticks that are inside. They're inside. So he told this neighbor, I'm sorry, she's not home right now. And that wasn't true. So as a result, his child died. So they kicked him out of the city. They said, you're earning a reputation. People don't die in Luz. You're not keeping the commitment to be in Luz. So they chased him out of town. But, uh, and if, well, that's the Midrash we see, the tremendous koyach that there is for a place which uh, people are sharing their speech. And that is, it's a place which could be protected. Even though we're not talking about Yidin necessarily, the person who began Luz wasn't a Jew. And it doesn't seem like most of the residents of the cities were Jews. It's true that there was a Stana who lived there and married a local inhabitant. There must have been some Jews there at some stage. But, uh, we don't find it was necessarily a Jewish city, but nevertheless, a place which is which is shown with the where people are careful of their speech, they are afforded a special protection. And the reason is Pashat. The Chafetz Chaim explains it to us. He says, because the Koyach of the Malach is, is also in speech. The Malach can't kill without the Hashem agreeing to it. He's not, he's not a God. All he can do is he can accuse people, and based on accusations, the Basin Shulmara will decide that person's Chayav Misa. But... He has to be given the right to accuse. And uh, for a person who never says anything negative about anybody else, the Sultan doesn't have the right to say anything negative about him. And if that's the case, the, 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 the Malach Mavis had no, no, no such a foothold in Luz. You can never accuse the people there because they never used their Koyach Adibur wrong, so he wasn't given the right to open his mouth either. Right. And so that was a special Koyach which uh, was started from this original person who refused to speak to Klaishra. He would just show them because he wouldn't speak. And that remained the Mail of Luz, which seems to have lasted for, like I said, nearly a thousand years until Tom Yochanetza, we know nothing happened, Tom Salaam, even later, uh, that they maintained, they upheld this tremendous Kayakhadeb. And the new Luz was 